following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you today and just thank you and praise you that you came into this world took on human flesh and sacrificed herself on the cross for us and demonstrated what love is like. And we know you call us now to go out and love our brothers and sisters. We confess, Lord, that's hard sometimes. But give us your strength, your courage, and your grace to go out and love other brothers and sisters like you loved us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So again, greetings from two different churches. One is Fortress Lutheran Church in Colleen, which started about three years ago. And then a new church, which is just now forming that, that we're starting in Robinson, which is a part of Waco. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the Central Texas area. And... Um, it's going to be an interesting journey for all of us. And what I'd like to do is after worship, if it's okay, if, if y'all have time, I can just share with you kind of this model that the district is now supporting. It's called the apostolic church planting model. And so I would like to share that with you because there's a lot of exciting things going on here in the central Texas area. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Well, what a joy it is to be here with y'all. Uh, we come and worship here as much as we can. We love being with you all, and it's really a, what, a, what a great thing it is to be able to give Ted and, and his wife a, a, a getaway, a breakaway. And we know how hard that is in startup churches and new churches. So uh, we pray that they're, uh, they're blessed by this time. And I know they miss you all. So we're continuing today in this First John passage. I know you all are studying this. And I think, isn't it love and light or light and love is the, is the name of the, the, the sermon series. And today we're going to be getting into chapter 3, starting with verses 11 through 18. These are some interesting writings from John. The first section of our reading for today, really what he does is he's contrasting this, this uh, love, which comes from heaven, and hate, which comes from hell. And that's what he's contrasting in this first part of the passage that was read earlier. In verse 11, he starts off, he says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That we should love one another. And just so you understand, the Greek word for love in this is this agape love. Everybody's heard agape, but that's that unconditional, all-in love. And that's what this scripture is telling us to do. And, And it's been told to us over and over from the beginning to love one another. To show that unconditional love for for brothers and sisters in Christ, of which we are. And it's important, isn't it? This is not this peripheral, optional teaching, but it's central to the New Testament teaching. If you remember, shortly after the first Lord's Supper, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He gave them a new commandment, didn't he? He said, love one another. 
And it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, this thing called love. And the question becomes is why should they love one another? What's that about? Well, what the scripture tells us is, is so that it would be obvious that they are Jesus' disciples and that it's obvious that they are bringers of God's love into the world. So now there's this contrast in this next verse. And it's the hate that comes from hell and the evil one. In this verse it says, we should not be like Cain. And in the ESV translation it says, who was of the evil one? You see, the love that we previously spoken about was from heaven. But John is contrasting the hate that comes from being of the evil one. And John uses this horrendous story that we read in Genesis where Cain murders, brutally murders his brother. But let's just be clear, it didn't just come out of nowhere. Cain appears to have been dwelling on this a while, letting it stew in him that his brother's sacrifices were righteous and his were not. And as John puts it, Cain was of the evil one. So his act was this outpouring of this evil in his heart because he was aligned with the evil one. Cain murdered Abel because his brother's acts were righteous and the world hates God. We'll hear that a little bit later in this passage. Did you hear that? That the world hates God, hates the people of God. And his people's righteousness. And Cain couldn't tolerate it. Cain's act flowed from the identity that he had in the evil one. So let's be sure that we know what distinguishes the Christian from Cain and those who believe and those who do not is the work of Christ. It's strictly the work of Christ not the devil, the work that we and not they are about. That's why this next verse talks about the hatred of the world towards us, his followers. See, in verse 13 it says, Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. Have you felt a little more disdain towards, your, towards you and your beliefs lately in our culture? A little more hatred in our culture for Christians? A little more or less tolerance for Christians? I feel like there is. More and more hate of who, what we stand for and who we are, children of the Most High God. You see, if love is one of the fruits of the Spirit and hate is the fruit of hell, it should be no surprise that Jesus' followers encounter hatred and rejection from the world. It should be no surprise to us. The world hates God, and guess what? You and I are as visible children in this world. Which brings us to the verse 14. 
In this verse, it says, we know that we have passed out of death into life. We know that because we love the brothers. Isn't that interesting? That love for brothers and sisters is a mark of the new life that we have in Christ. It's this new life we have in him. And Christian communities like this and those that the disciples had founded were places of love, of support, and acceptance. Just as we are called today in church, in communities like this, in our congregations, small groups, all the places we gather together with other brothers and sisters, we're called to be places of love, of God's love, of his forgiveness, of his grace. And there's great joy in seeing God at work and God's love in action, isn't there? How many of you have experienced that? It looks like you're trying to, to bring many things to the, to the people around you to show God's love through food and serving and all these things. And I know you serve each other and you gather together and support each other. And, and there's great joy in knowing that and seeing God at work in the midst of these communities. It's God's love in action. And in God's communities, we get to celebrate that love we see and receive from Christians. We get to experience real faith expressing itself in real deeds to God's glory. But remember, we're contrasting, and John's contrasting these, right? So verse 15 says... Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So the contrasted with the marks of love, which is loving each other, that hatred now is a sign that eternal life is not in a person. But John upped the ante with this. He didn't just say murder. What did he say? He said hate is just like that. But if you think about it, hate isn't illegal, is it? But John calls it equivalent to murder. Equivalent to murder. And he encourages each of us to be clean from the inside out. What an interesting contrast, isn't it? Between the fruits of heaven and the fruits of hell. And thank goodness we get to come to verses 6 through 18. Some of those passages we just talked about, to me, are kind of hard. But 16 to 18, there's these themes of love and compassion in these verses. You see, we've seen what the marks of love and hatred are, but how do we really know what godly love is like? And this answers it very clearly. It says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. Jesus laid down his life for you and I. Jesus is the source and ultimate example and pattern of how to love. And 1 John 4.19 captures it well too, right? We love because he first loved us. He laid his life down for you and I it was the greatest act of self-sacrifice so that you and I would be forgiven, we would have new life in him, but also that he would be an inspiration for us. 
an example for us to go out and truly love and forgive our brothers and sisters, all of those people in our lives that are, that are come in faith. And, and that's what in Scripture encourages us to do. It says that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Have you ever thought about how much joy there is in honoring Christ by showing compassion and love to your brothers and sisters? There's great joy in that. And I think we forget that there's joy. We are honoring Christ by loving each other. What a privilege it is that he's given us to do that. Well, about this time, you may be saying, but Pastor Jerry... You don't know the brothers and sisters in Christ that I have to put up with. <laughs> Gossipers, tightwads, socially awkward, liars, thieves, self-centered, rude, opinionated, hard to get along with, opportunists, undependable, and don't let me get started, right? <laughs> But the reality is, aren't we all that way at times? We are, and that's what Scripture talks about. Scripture's really clear about that. It says there is no one righteous, not one. Another place it says we all fall short. So the reality is, is we all need Jesus. <laughs> and we all need to love each other like Jesus loved us. Because you see what, what Jesus did? Look at what he did. The pattern he gave us. He didn't die for the nice, the upright, the worthy, the pious ones, did he? He did, but that isn't why he died. He went to the cross while we were still sinners, is what scripture says. We were his enemies. We deserved only God's wrath and punishment. And he went to the cross for us, for all of us. So this love one another has a lot of meaning, doesn't it? A lot of meaning. And a lot of challenges. Christ for lo love for us, though, I would say to you, needs to light a fire and should light a fire in us to love others like he loved us. That unconditional love. Is it going to be easy? No. <laughs> no. But with God's love and Christ in us and his strength, it is an amazing thing to see, to experience, and to do. It's to love each other. So we get to verse 17 in this passage. And John asks, I believe, a rhetorical question here. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? What's the answer? It doesn't, right? But in this, what we see is this glimpse of what loving your brothers and sisters looks like. It's the opposite of Cain's murderous hate. What it is, is the Christian's willingness to sacrifice himself for his brothers and sisters. Sacrifice the things of this world for the needs of our fellow Jesus followers. I loved what one of 
the commentator said, it says, the learned serves him who has not learned. The rich serve those who are poor. The sensible one serves the one who is foolish. That's the love that God calls us to with our brothers and sisters. And in this passage, there's another thing that I wanted to bring up today, that there's this word in there that talks about your heart. If you really look at the word, it's not the word cardia. It's a word for your bowels and your entrails. <laughs> but it's translated as heart, which is interesting. And in Hebrew thinking, though, that that was the center of pity, of compassion, of love, of emotions. And so what this passage is saying is that if that your brother's challenges, your brother's difficulties in life doesn't hit you in the gut, <laughs> maybe you ought to have a gut check. Maybe you ought to think what this is about because we're called to love each other. But on the other hand... If you're moved to action, then what that can do is it can reassure you that the love of Christ is flowing out of you because of the genuine faith he has given. What's interesting about this part of this passage, if you look at Christianity over history, it's no coincidence that many of the ministries of mercy were started and are ministries now of Jesus' followers. Hospitals, food pantries, schools, orphanages, safe places for elderly women and handicapped. Many of those were started by Christians out of the love flowing out of them, out Christ's love flowing out of them. Which brings us to verse 18, which is, I have to say, is probably my favorite, but probably one of the hardest ones for me, the most convicting part of this passage today. What it is essentially saying is don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. It actually says, little children, let, not love in, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. First of all, I think it's really interesting he started with little children. Kind of this endearing calling all of us, hey, Family, little kids, come on. And again, what we look at is Jesus is that ultimate example of this, isn't he? He's the ultimate pattern for us in this. God didn't just show his love by revealing himself through the words spoken to the prophets. He didn't just reveal himself through words mediated through angels. He didn't just give us the words written on pages of Scripture to help us know him. He wrapped himself in humanity. He revealed himself as word made flesh. Jesus the Christ. Word in action. Word in truth. And he calls you and I to do the same thing. Is to be God's word his people in action and in truth in this world that we're living in. James 2, 14 through 17 is an interesting one. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. A couple things I want to point out about this. What this passage is saying, it's not just saying that to do actions that are louder than words. What it's saying is to God's actions, God's things that are good. This word deeds that's in this thing is ergo, which is work. These deeds are uniquely of Jesus and done in him, through him, and for him. It calls us to a life defined by deeds born of God, who alone is and defines what good is. And you know on this uh, Reformation weekend, which a lot of Lutheran churches are celebrating this weekend, you know I had to quote from one of our our, uh, confessors, right? (laughs) Out of the book of Concord, The formula of Concord, the solid declaration, and I know you're all going to go and look at that right after this. (laughs) This is what he said, one of our reformers said. Love is a fruit that surely and necessarily follows true faith. The fact that a person does not love is a sure sign that he is not justified. He is still in death and has lost the righteousness of faith again, as John says. That's really powerful, isn't it, and convicting? And in our sinfulness, it's so easy, isn't it? But God has given us our faith. And out of that faith, love flows. And I know you all do that. But that's what shows that you're Christ followers, is that love of Christ flowing out of you for brothers and sisters. So here's another danger that we have to think about as we think about this passage. The danger is, and especially in our culture, is that we start thinking that works help us get our salvation. Or that we think works gains us favor with God. And that isn't what this is talking about, right? Because everything that we have is a gift of God. Not that we deserved it or anything, but it's this grace and faith alone through Christ. And I appreciate what Luther said, that a man is justified by faith alone, but a faith, but not by a faith that is alone. Interesting. I don't, I, that's an interesting one to think about. Because it's not a faith in ourselves to do the right things, to gain his favor, to gain his salvation. And it's not a faith that we live out by ourselves as lone rangers. We live it together with brothers and sisters loving each other. And how important that is, sisters and brothers. So hear this. You have been justified through faith in Christ Jesus alone. And that genuine faith will produce good deeds. But again, it's only in the faith in Christ that saves. And what a gift God has given you. You have been called into a community to share God's agape love with each other and to be strengthened in your faith. 
And before Christ, before Christ, your identity was with the evil one, just like Cain. But now, through God's work, your identity is in Christ. And you are brothers and sisters. All of you are brothers and sisters in him. And you were brought to faith in your baptism through the Holy Spirit's work. And you get to love and forgive one another, to practice that love of Christ and to experience Christ's love and forgiveness in a tangible way. You get to encourage each other, share with each other, help one another. And we, we talked a little bit before worship, sharing your testimony with each other. Sharing how God has worked through your life, through the difficulties of life. That's an incredible encouragement to each other to share and pray for each other and to, to lift up each other during these times. You get to practice that agape love and then doing the works of Christ together so others can experience him. And during that time, you can support and encourage each other against the hatred of the world. Because the world, the world will be after you and is after you. And the world that this passage talked about is not a positive thing. John was not talking about a nice world. It was talking about the part that's against Christ. And all of you who see, and all who see you, and how you love each other, you'll get to know. They'll see that you're Jesus' followers because of how you love, how you unconditionally agape love each other. And your deeds and words will point to the one who first loved, who is Jesus, God himself sent his son. And the Jesus is the pattern, isn't he? The example, the inspiration to love our brothers and sisters with that agape love that he demonstrated for us. So rejoice, brothers and sisters. Jesus laid down his life for you. And you get to love one another the way he loved us. Amen.